It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. You're listening to BGN Radio. Tyrod Taylor in the shotgun. Third and nine. Taylor calling for the football. Gets the snap. Back he goes. He pumps. And he's sacked! He's sacked! Fletcher Cox dumps him back at the 22. We've made it to episode number 146. It's not really monumental. The number really doesn't matter. But what is important is the the NFL season has finally come to a close. And by God, do I hear Ben Natan's music? Yes, I do. He's he's, uh, joining us for 146. Ben, what's going on uh, this afternoon? How are you, pal? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing uh, we're doing great, actually. You know, we I, again. I know we echoed it on the uh, last couple of episodes that we were talking about leading up to the Super Bowl. Then BLG and James uh, did our last 97.5, the fanatic show of the season. Uh, so again, uh, an absolute tremendous thank you to everybody that kind of supported that thing this year because uh, it it really took off, and we were really impressed with uh, again the support and. The continuing sport of the of the podcast, and if you want to keep doing that, uh, as always, uh, please, if you're on uh, SoundCloud or iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are listening to us out there, rate, subscribe, review, really helps us grow. Really helps us provide a lot of feedback too. We want to hear exactly uh, what's going on on your end as well. Uh, m- even more exciting as we are starting to finally creep and ramp up. Uh, that we've we've mentioned that we're probably going to do a draft party. And that is definitely going to happen. So mark your calendars for April 28th. Leave it TPD or TPD. That sounds like a, a weird uh, toilet paper reference. TBD is what I meant to say. And uh, we will have all those details for you as soon as we can. But we are locking in on a location. We are locking in on some awesome T-shirts as uh, Ben, Matt, and I <laughs> are all going kind of back and forth. But I think, Ben, we've settled on at least 
Guardy McBeef will be somewhat of the theme of these t-shirts, right? I think we've assembled on that. Yeah, Patrick Patrick had the great idea of doing an election themed oh, right. t-shirt of maybe Guardy McBeef next Dawkins 2016. Yeah, so so we we are working out those things as well. We're trying to get all these and we uh we are talking again. I'll give him another shout out because they were so nice to send us some awesome t-shirts uh 31apparel.com. Make sure to check those guys out because they have some really funky uh, kind of new new takes on uh, on all your favorite NFL teams, especially the Eagles. Um, but yeah, I mean Ben, first and foremost, I, we're going to get into a ton of draft stuff because it is it is your time to shine, as as they would say. And you're gonna you know you are the you are the new Mike K. And uh, well, from from my perspective of it, maybe even the better version, the your Mike K. Two So we'll we'll have to do this thing. But we are. And uh, by the way, speaking of which. Ben did, I don't know if everybody remembers, but Ben Ben did such an amazing job last year when we just went, I don't know what the hell we were thinking. We're just like, yeah, let's just go live for eight hours and just and just do the draft. And it was kind of very semi-planned together. We were all doing it from like six places at once, and uh, Ben absolutely destroyed it last year. So we're going to put him in a room full of people of like 100 or so people. <laughs> And it's like Shaq at the foul line. Exactly. So we'll see if he can uh, do it under pressure as well. But we, uh, everybody's going to be down there. Every single one of the BGN radio guys will be there. We'll be in and out and uh, having a lot of fun and doing all that. So with that being said, Ben, I think the you know, it was talked about. And there was like, I think there was only a 12 to 24 hour period. Where we're like, oh, yay. But can we celebrate that Riley fucking Cooper is gone? Finally, like, uh, I don't know what took so long. You know, I understand the cap. It comes down to money, all that. But uh, Ben, uh, Riley Cooper finally released. How happy are you? I'm I'm very happy. I mean, it's not like his presence made the Eagles any better and him being gone doesn't make the Eagles any worse. And just <laughs> just talking about him is infuriating. So it's, there's no reason there, for him to be here. That's right. Like, so. he sucks. He sucks and I hate his hair, so. Yeah, and I think at this point, along with that, it's kind of like, I, I guess it got taken over because, you know, same day stuff with the whole McCoy thing, <laughs> which is, I don't know. I, you know, I'm, I guess everybody's kind of sick and tired of talking that by by now. And look, we'll, we'll just kind of have to see what happens here. I got I got to do say uh, a big shout out to Sean Brace over Philly Influencer. I know that a lot of people kind of cringe at that TMZ style stuff and, you know, it, it's understandable. But, uh, hey, you know, he had the balls enough to kind of go and walk up there and ask him questions and he got picked up everywhere. So, Sean uh who's a big uh, big part of the program here and is going to be involved in that draft party as well big uh, big shout out to him and you know we'll have to we'll keep an eye on it it is interesting i mean you know it's not every day a star running back is involved in a fight of beating undercover cops and and firing a lawyer the next day after that kind of came out and said he got misquoted so you know maybe yeah, I, well i'll ask you this because I, I brought it up over on crossing broad too is you know don't you think maybe Maybe that's some justification of why Chip got traded him last offseason there, Ben. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think that Chip was just trading him for shits and giggles. He obviously, there was obviously something else going on that a lot of people weren't aware with, um, similar with what was going on with Deshaun Jackson the previous offseason. And, I mean, people can bring up all sorts of things onto why uh, McCoy got ousted, but it's proving himself that he he was just, he would, he was just not worth the trouble and... I mean, it's this whole thing is really sad to see because you, know, you have a lot of great memories of McCoy, and he was always a very good player. And it sucks to see a guy's career go down this path. But like Kelly, I guess, was right about what 
McCoy or who McCoy was off the yeah, field. And I think we kind of, we saw that anyway, you know, it was just, it's, and it's, it is sad. It sucks that he was such a, you know, d- dynamic player in the field and everybody loved him and everybody, st- I think a lot of people still do. It's just like this, this kind of stuff just makes you go, man. Yes. Yeah. It's cringeworthy. It's really cringeworthy. But can you believe they cut Riley Cooper and got no value for him? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, well, you know, it, it, we'll, we'll keep an eye on all the all the kind of like Eagles tidbits. The one little small surprising thing that I did think here, Ben, with Najee Good, who is a good friend of the program, who's come on twice uh, in, in the past couple of years, and we really thank him for his time. And, man, if he ever wants to come back, he's just – he's one of the nicest guys uh, in the world. It was kind of a – you know, it was, it was a weird season for him. I mean, they, they he got cut, he came back. The uh, linebacker depth that everybody thought was there wasn't. And now they're kind of sticking with them here in this in this four three, and it kind of got me thinking. Well, you know, I, maybe that's your strong side guy at least for the time being, because I, I don't think Kiko Alonso is going to be over there, or at least he shouldn't. And whatever Jim Schwartz says, as far as like, yeah, we haven't had a scheme yet. I I, I buy that to an extent, but we know he's going to run pretty much the same aggressive t- type of style there. And I think Najee Good's a slightly bit underrated. I, I don't want to say that he's this all powerful linebacker that's going to end up breaking out or anything, but I think he's. I think he's a great flex starter. I think he's, you know, been uh, fantastic for the depth here. And I don't know what's your take on that. It's kind of kind of an interesting extension this week. Yeah, I mean, he's always been a solid depth guy for the Eagles. But what stands out to me, and when I was looking at Jim Schwartz's uh, patterns on defense and defensive personnel, is he really likes uh, like a stockier linebacker. Um, all of his time when he was in Tennessee and when he was in Detroit, he had Steven, uh, Steven Tolick holding down the middle of that defense. Steven Tolick's 5'11", 250 pounds, uh, which is like really, really like short, thick linebacker. And then when he was in Buffalo for a year, he had Preston Brown manning the middle of that defense. Preston Brown's about 6'1", uh, 255. So once again, like a stockier build. And the Eagles don't really have a guy like that. I mean, Kiko... And Hicks and Kendricks are all like a little bit light in the loafers. Uh, and they don't, and I mean, D'Amico Ryan's, yeah, like D'Amico Ryan's has that build to him, but he's also getting up there in age and he's coming off injury. And, and there's a lot of questions with with him and how much uh, like football juice he actually has left. So good's a good, uh, good is a good signing. <laughs> Jeez. Um, because. He just kind of fits the physical profile of the linebackers that Schwartz usually has in, in his defense, and he's a bit younger. So, I mean, he could he could maybe compete for a little bit of time. I, I think that you know that the picture at linebacker is still a little bit unclear because you don't know what Kiko what Kiko is going to look like uh, heading into preseason, and you know what Michael Kendricks and what Jordan Hicks are going to be doing because Jordan Hicks is obviously coming off an injury, and Michael and uh, Kendricks can kind of play any of the three spots. I think so. It should be interesting. Yeah, um, and just like I said, I yeah, I agree with most of what you said there, and we'll just have to kind of see how that pans out. I think that's more or less like if they can't find a guy in the draft there, then you know maybe just gotta rotate some guys and then kind of figure that out. But uh, more exciting as the you know the the draft tentacles uh, start coming up here is the final combine list came out, and I think both Brandon and I were very very excited to hear that uh, Trevon Boykin is going to be there and uh, as a quarterback because there's a lot of talk of, you know, I, I still think, I think I read he's still going to be doing some wide receiver stuff at his pro day, but for all of the combine, he definitely, definitely will be there to throw. Uh, so that that to me is is very exciting, and I know uh, Ben's excited about that too. But um, And you actually, uh, on bleedinggreennation.com, you can go check it out. I think Ben had 
just posted that a couple of days ago. Uh, today is Friday, so you can kind of scramble and look through that there, and we'll definitely put it in the post. But, uh, you know, what, what do you think of his potential here? Uh, what is What does he have to do at the Combine to kind of prove that, yes, he, he definitely is a quarterback here? I mean, I, I think – when you're watching Trevon Boyk and you watch his entire college career, it's really evident that he's a quarterback. I mean, you can watch some guys at the college level play quarterback and they're not really throwing well and, and they don't really do a lot of things outside of maybe athleticism and size. And then you say, OK, that's a guy that you want to move to wide receiver. That's a guy you want to move to running back. or That's a guy who you want to move to tight end. I mean, just recent examples, like a guy like Denard Robinson. I mean, Denard Robinson was like a really explosive running quarterback at Michigan and he was never really uh impacting the game as a passer at all and he got moved to running back and he's been you know a solid uh like gadget player for Jacksonville and then like Blake Bell was kind of the same thing where like he was this like really big athletic quarterback at Oklahoma he couldn't throw for for crap and he got moved to tight end but when you watch Trevon Boykin um he started his career at TCU and they're kind of moving him back and forth between wide receiver and quarterback and, and his second year it was just kind of abysmal they fired the staff they brought in a new staff and then his junior year he just absolutely tore it up at quarterback and then he only got better his senior year um and he has this really really he's really really good throwing down the field and he's very very poised and he's very mobile very athletic and he does a really great job extending the play you know throwing from outside the pocket you know moving the chains with his feet if he needs to really smart at at identifying matchups pre-snap which i think really important for a quarterback so he's a very you know very cerebral passer uh he has issues his biggest issue is just kind of adjusting velocity um you know he wants to gun it on basically every throw and that's going to hurt his accuracy accuracy especially in that intermediate range of the field um, and it can, you know, it can become turnovers. It can become missed passes, bad missed passes. And that's really where he really needs to f- fix it, uh, you know, fix it up. Because I think that obviously accuracy is a big part of playing quarterback uh, and just learning to anticipate throws better and, and kind of vary his, his arm velocity is going to help him once he gets to the league. But the rate of growth he showed in college makes me so confident about what he can do in the NFL. It speaks a lot to his work ethic. It speaks a lot to his upside. So I I don't know what really more he could do at the combine to show he's a quarterback. Obviously, he needs to look good throwing against air, but I don't think he's going to have any problem with that. Yeah, and the, and, the, and I, I'll just add in because I know we were talking about it back and forth the other day, and it was just – a lot of the stuff is that I, I don't know. I hear always hear like uh, oh he's got serious accuracy issues, but that kind of goes hand in hand with just working the middle of the field, which is definitely legitimate. I think that's his biggest critique and not being able to do that. Uh, the ball kind of sails on him, and I don't know if that kind of goes hand in hand. I think his deep ball is very accurate. I think you know like trying to find guys down the field, he's he he finds those tight windows. And to be honest, like I think the ball placement's pretty decent. Uh, so. You know, I I don't know, and again, you're right, Ben. I don't know how you show that in the combine, but at least there's I I don't know. I think there's a lot you can mold mold with with Boyk in there. Yeah, I, I told yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And I think when you're projecting him to Philadelphia, um, if you're if you're assuming that Doug Peterson is bringing an Andy Reid type of offense, it's going to take a little bit more projection because that offense is so built around the middle of the field. But it really comes down to experience in doing so. I mean, TCU is really an offense about working the perimeter, uh, working the deep perimeter of the field in the passing game and really going with those um, 
the splash plays in the passing game in order to open up the run game. And then the run, you know, it's a, a symbiotic relationship between the two of them. Um, it doesn't work like that in the NFL for the most part. It's definitely not going to work like that in the Philadelphia offense. I think he can do it. It'll just take a little bit of time, which is fine. I mean, you're not drafting the guy to be a day one starter who's going to immediately take you to 10 wins. You're, you're drafting really any of these quarterbacks as the the player that you groom for a little bit, maybe sit behind a starter, you know, get some, get some work in block game, stuff like that. And then eventually work their way up to becoming a starter. And um, I actually compared him to Tyrod Taylor in, in the, the scouting report because Tyrod Taylor spent a lot of time behind Joe Flacco. And when he eventually got his time to start, he had a really, really good season. Uh, his first season in Buffalo and showed a lot of that same, that same stuff where he was able to really, uh, make plays down the field and extend plays with his legs. And, you know, I think that Boykin can really do a lot of that with a, co- with a good coaching staff. And I think the Eagles do have a, a coaching staff that's conducive to quarterback development because you have uh, flip and you have Reich and you have uh, Peterson, all three of which have experience as quarterbacks and as quarterback coaches. So I would, you know, I'd be ecstatic to bring in Boykin as, you know, even a day two pick uh, to be a developmental quarterback. Yeah, I think a lot of these guys, you could make the argument for that. And um, uh, I want to switch to Dak Prescott for a second because he's he's obviously on this list and made a ton of noise in the Senior Bowl. In fact, this is why I bring this up. Phil Savage was on with uh, uh, Harry Mays and Rob Ellis today uh, on Friday afternoon, and he was just giving little tidbits, and then he just threw this in ever so su- subtly. So uh, just a, I was going to play the cut of, of Phil Savage saying that Dak Prescott could fall into the late first round uh, because that's what I heard on the stream yesterday. That's what I heard on the radio. Uh, but what I'm what I'm figuring out is I think my stream like skipped ahead or something because I remember him literally saying, this is what I think about, uh, you know, Dak Prescott. He's not a pure passer as Donovan McNabb, but I still think he has enough athletic ability. And I think the size of him <laughs> was a lot bigger than, you know, whatever. He was just talking about the, his measurements and stuff. So with that alone, I think he could be a late first round, early second round guy. And then I just realized as I'm listening to the playback, thank you to James Elzer for sending it to me, that he was talking, that particular piece, however it happened, was talking about Braxton Miller, which totally makes sense. So he didn't he didn't project where Dak Prescott is going at all. Uh, so I apologize to Phil and Rob and Harry for kind of putting that out there yesterday. Uh, but... Uh, so, but it's still interesting what he said about Dak Prescott. So I'm going to leave that in there. Uh, this is Phil Savage on Dak Prescott. Then the following conversation, uh, maybe just think of that as a general thing about you know the the NFL drafted projecting of uh, of all the random Twitter scouts and everything. And I apologize once again to uh, Phil, Harry, and Rob. You know, another player that is really interesting is Dak Prescott from Mississippi State. Prescott is a much better passer than Tim Tebow at this same juncture. And I think he's got more credibility with NFL scouts than Tebow did uh, in terms of his uh, projection to the next level. So he's another name to, to keep an eye on. I, I could see him because of his athletic ability and just his, his overall body build. He's not as pure of a passer as Donovan McNabb was, but he's got that same sort of body structure, and he's got some charisma as a leader that the other players seem to really respond to. I love listening to him talk. He's, he's a great interview. Uh, I don't expect that to happen at all, but is that more you think he's just kind of throwing that out there to you know, boost his stock a little bit, or more or less do you think that that's an 
actual possibility that could happen here? You know, who knows? The, the league, the league is crazy. And we, I mean, this is uh, 2013 when you had EJ Manuel go to the senior bowl, he tore it up at the senior bowl. He interviewed at like incredibly, incredibly well, you know, blew away the Buffalo Bills staff and they took him in the first round. And, you know, Dak Prescott went to the senior bowl. He, uh, everyone I talked to said he was the best quarterback there the whole week by far killed it in the game was astounding in interviews apparently. So who knows? I mean, NFL teams are predict uh, unpredictable. Um, I personally wouldn't draft him in the first round. I think he's talented. I would, I mean, he'd be excellent, you know, mid, mid day three type of player. Um, not a first round pick in my opinion. Yeah. And I don't, <laughs> and neither do I, uh, but I also don't understand, like there is a very popular Tim Tebow comp for this kid. And I don't get that at all. I, I don't, I don't, just, I don't, uh, I, I mean, is that just because they're, you know, I think they have the same offensive coordinators or something or some similarities there. And they just kind of like, that's a, one of the laziest things they're I think both, I've ever like heard. stocky and they run. And <laughs> that's no, that's not, I would say that Dak, Dak's a lot smarter than Tim Tebow ever was as a quarterback. Uh, you know, Dak was operating this, the spread offense in, at Mississippi state, and he did a really good job. At, I mean, he ran that offense to peak efficiency, and he was making a lot of, you know, pro-style reads in the process. Uh, Tim Tebow really did not was not doing that stuff at Florida, and he was also a lot more accurate than Tim Tebow ever was. Um, I think that Dak Prescott's biggest issue is he's like he's very. I don't want to say his pocket presence is bad because it's not. It's not like he's skittish. He just has no like awareness in the pocket, uh, and it's just like. He can just get completely clobbered, and and that really worries me as a quarterback. And and he also tends to like lock on to guys. Um, I think that's a, yeah, and I think that's a pretty noticeable trait actually in a lot of these guys. <laughs> uh, but Brissett's kind of the same way. I think uh, uh, Goff is similarly kind of goes the same way. Jones is the same way. Kevin Hogan's kind of the same way. I, I think that's kind of a natural thing. Uh, early on, especially when it's I mean most of these you know we talk about that a lot every fucking draft, and that always kind of annoys the shit out of me too is just when you have oh it's just you know a lot of these are just uh, a one read uh, quarterbacks <laughs> you know like well, of course they are I mean they keep it simple just like you said they were, you know, a lot of these are are spread it downfield along the sidelines don't worry about the middle of the field and just go go that way I think that's where I think that's where a lot of thing these things tend to happen uh but uh, but I do agree that there is and not to say that it's not a, a good critique of of any of these quarterbacks in here because that's very true for some of them. It really sticks out. Um, I, I think we get tend, tend to get caught up in that stuff too. So, and I, I didn't know Ben, you have kind of, it's tough. Like what, what exactly for guys like me and for people out there that are just going on draft breakdown and, and checking out some tape, what, what are the main things you should be looking for when you are, when you're trying to evaluate quarterbacks? Um, my biggest thing, my biggest thing for quarterbacks, I think poise is incredibly important and just the ability to bounce back from mistakes. Uh, because if you're a young quarterback, you're inevitably going to make mistakes. Uh, I, and it's so, and playing the quarterback position more than any other position in the NFL is about confidence and between, uh, the player's confidence in themselves, the coaching staff's confidence in them and the organizational confidence behind them. There's so much pressure on a quarterback. Um, that just like a few mistakes can completely undo them. And it's like the snowball effect. So if I'm seeing a guy in college and I see this a lot with like 
Jacoby Brissett, and I see this a lot with Connor Cook, and I think and I think it's really awesome. Um, it's not awesome when they make mistakes because both of them <laughs> do, and they you know make them more often than not. Um, but they have this really great ability to like just kind of play like play to forget. They just they forget that they're making mistakes, and they kind of go back to you know making you know ballsy throws or, or or just making these like gutsy plays even after they make mistakes. And those are the type of quarterbacks that will win you football games in the league. And one of my biggest gripes with Jared Goff is that he snowballs during games. If he throws a pick or if he gets, you know, takes a bad sack or something like that, like you can see it affect him throughout the game. And that really worries me because you're basically, you're basically hoping you can draft this guy and, and keep him clean for four quarters, which just isn't realistic. Um, and, and I think like the, that's the number one thing I look for is, um, just kind of confidence. And then on top of that, and in a similar vein is aggressiveness as a quarterback. I want a quarterback who's looking to score touchdowns. I don't want like, I, I'm not drafting a dink and dunk quarterback in the first round. I think that's ridiculous. I think that's a complete waste of resources. You can, you can get a guy like that in the middle round and, and, you know, groom him up or whatever. And he can throw five yard dump off passes and swing passes and, you know, all that bullshit. Like you don't want to draft that guy in the top, you know, two rounds. It just doesn't make sense. I want a guy who's looking for that touchdown on, on every play and, you know, who's willing to test that tight window down the field and, you know, who can physically get to that tight window. And that's the next thing where I look for physical traits, arm strength, uh, accuracy, mobility. Mobility is very and very important because as a quarterback, as a mobile quarterback, you're basically forcing the defense to constantly play 11 on 11 football, where even in coverage, they're keeping their eyes on the quarterback. And that can really uh, take pressure off the receivers and help receivers getting uh, separation. And then also it improves your running game. If every time if you're in shotgun, you're ha- you know, a mobile quarterbacks handing off to a running back, you're freezing the linebackers for just an extra moment because they think the quarterback might run with it. That's a ton of time for your running back to get maybe two or three more yards. And it's like it's it's those little things that quarter like the quarterbacks have in terms of impact on the game that you really need to look for. Yeah, and mobility, extending plays. Except, I mean, like, is there? Yeah, but all, all that stuff is is completely important. Which leads me to my my last question about these this quarterback uh, group of uh, that's in the combine here. Why is Joel Stave still getting invites to things? Why is this con- Why does this continue Dude. to happen? <laughs> I it's it, it's his agent. It's it's a hundred percent his agent. It's the only reason that Gil Brandt would ever talk about him. Um, Gil Brandt is another guy. I mean, you see it a lot in in all kinds of media. And I'm going to use this term so much during draft season. If people are going to be sick of it, I'm just going to keep on saying "sunshine pumper." And just like people who <laughs> like who are just like friends with agents or have like a personal motive to to make these players. Um, sound greater than they are and, and i mean joel stave is awful I, I you know he's probably an incredibly nice guy um good for him i'm happy that he's getting these opportunities he's not a good quarterback he was not a good college quarterback and if he is a good pro quarterback i will eat my shoes um but <laughs> it's i mean this is like the whole tom i mean tom savage got drafted so who knows but this is like the whole tom savage thing where uh, or even better than Tom Savage, this is like the whole Garrett Gilbert there thing. There you go. Yes. Um, back in 2014, where where Gil Brandt was talking up Garrett Gilbert the entire season, <laughs> he went on he went undrafted. He ended up with the uh, he ended up with the Rams, I think. That's um, a good so, spot for actually. I yeah, I mean, that. he's he is the backup to Nick Foles' backup. So, yeah. um, 
just think about that. Uh, but you know, I think it's like an agent thing with Gil Brandt and yeah. that's how you get into these. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people talking about how politics are continuously getting more and more into the combine, yeah. um, which, which sucks, but yeah. And that's where we're actually, uh, one of our good friends, Greg Linton is, this is when we'd like to bring him on too. So we're we're definitely going to have him. And just so everybody knows, we're going to have his players on too. He represents you know, a lot of different guys and we're going to talk to him as well. And uh, so you'll, you'll have that, you'll know that going forward. And I think that's, uh, you know, Greg doesn't hold back, which is, which is why I like him, whether you agree with him or disagree with him on, on some of the stuff, he is so tuned into everything that's going on there. So I would, I almost just want to give him like his own separate, you know, podcast feed on here and just let him go for, for 30 minutes, but that'll be fun uh, towards, you know, we'll talk to him. Actually, we'll probably talk to him in the next couple of weeks. So that'll be kind of fun getting into it. Um, I, I know everybody kind of had questions and a lot of different thoughts on uh, what was happening right now as far as the draft goes. You guys did a fantastic job as always. So let's get uh, let's get first to uh, some phone calls here. We want to hear from you. Call the Duncan Philly Anytime Hotline. Leave us a message and we'll put you on the air. 267-245-6066. That's 267-245-6066. Or tweet your thoughts to us at BGN underscore radio. What's up, BGN? This is Stephen Lee from West Palm Beach, Florida, checking in. And uh, I really wanted your guys' opinion on Jack Conklin. Um, you know, I, I've seen a few mock drafts have, have him as a late first rounder. Obviously, the combine is going to determine where a lot of these as a stock falls. Um, but what's your opinion on him? Um, you know, obviously at 13, a lot of the fans are clamoring for a quarterback. I, I don't necessarily think that that's a necessity. I know, you know, an offensive lineman probably isn't the sexiest of picks, but I have no problem adding uh, youth and depth to that position because obviously we were we were hurting last year. Um, and in addition to that question, I kind of wanted to know your guys' thoughts on, I think Mosher was the first one to say this, but like, would you trade Jordan Matthews for a second round pick? And, you know, a lot of the fans were kind of 50-50 on that. I personally think Jordan um, has a higher ceiling than most. Um, I just kind of wanted to give your, uh, gauge your guys' thoughts on that. And uh, as always, thanks, guys. Jack Conklin, I, yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I haven't watched much much of him. I've just known that, you know, I've watched a, I watched a couple of games only because they were on, you know, Saturdays, and I, I really don't have an opinion on him. But uh, his ideal fit in Philadelphia, got any thoughts on that, Ben? Um, I mean, size-wise, he fits, because I think that the team really wants to get to bigger offensive linemen this offseason. Um Talent wise, I, I don't think so. I, you know, every time I watch him, he, he's really underwhelming. And if you have a guy who's six six and two three hundred thirty pounds, you want them to actually play like they're six six and three hundred thirty pounds. And he tends to play smaller uh, as an offensive lineman. And nothing makes me more upset as an evaluator or you know as anyone you know as anyone who watches these guys is a lack of aggressiveness. I think one of the, one of the traits you really want to see in any football player is that on every play, they're looking to embarrass the guy who's directly across from them. But, you know, Conklin plays a lot of patty cake and it's just, it's not, it's, it's underwhelming. Uh, And you're not going to take a guy like that in the first (laughs) round. Well, and, and getting back to uh, Jordan Matthews for, 
you know, whatever. Second rounder, I guess, is, is what Joff was. And and look, it all full disclosure, I DM'd him the other day, and I was just like, was that, you know, opinion, or is that just, you know, we were hearing something? He goes, no, it was, it was full opinion, which I was just like, ah. Uh, he's like, I'm not quite, I wasn't quite sure. Why uh, why people are jumping on me? I was like, well, probably because it would leave you with no wide receivers. Uh, I'm guessing that's one of them, and that's probably the most productive one. And look, I'm not saying I agree with Jeff on the part that, like, yeah, he's not. Look, he's not. He's probably not the most spectacular wide receiver that you're ever going to see. And I know Ben's going to freak out with me saying that because he's in love with Jordan Matthews. <laughs> but you know, I don't. I don't think you you trade your most productive wide receiver uh, at all. You know, I don't think you kind of. I I, th- I think he fits the mold still as a good uh, slot wide receiver in a West Coast offense, and more so the same kind of mismatch that you would be looking for here. But yeah, I, I'm not trading Jordan Matthews in Ben. I'm assuming you aren't either. Jordan Matthews is the ninth most catches through two season two like the first two seasons of a wide receiver's career in NFL history. <laughs> like, yeah. let's just let's just get that out of the way first. Like. He's obviously people love to focus on the drops, but the fact of the matter is he's by far the best receiver in our, in our receiving core right now. Like, I don't even think that's a debate. Um, and he's also a team leader. Like the, the city loves him, you know, the locker room loves him and like, it's a second round pick. Like people don't, this, this fetishizing of the second round pick (laughs) is getting exhausting. Like people are willing to trade their house their family, you know, their loved ones for a second round pick when they forget that we have two third round picks. And like, if the team wants to make a move into the second round for a player, they will do it. Like it's a second round pick. Like people are suggesting trading out of the top 15 in order to get a second round pick, that that is the most absurd, ludicrous thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, (laughs) Like, just people need to stop. It's it's a second round pick. Yeah, it's like picks are important in general. And, and you know, having a top 50 pick is is awesome. But we also have a top 15 pick, which is more awesome. And you have two third round picks and that those can be leveraged to get a second round pick if the team like really wants to move up for, for a guy. And I see that happening. But like trading Jordan Matthews or trading back in the first round for no damn reason is just dumb. Yeah, I, yeah, I think we're all we're all in agreement on there. Well, let's uh, let's keep the questions rolling. Uh, Steve Jobs, that's S T E underscore Jobs, uh, wants to know. You know, and this has been a big push too. He's also going to be at the combine. Reggie Raglan at at thirteen. I want him. Am I bad? Uh, I would say yes. <laughs> I, I not not that you're bad. I I I would not like that pick at thirteen. I like him. Uh, and I think he's a, a very ferocious guy. I mean, he kind of fits that again. It fits the shorts mold. And I think we've really been interested in defensive players ever since Jim Schwartz has been hired. And I understand that completely. Uh, I'm, I'm a little back and forth on him. I know he's, I, I probably wouldn't take him at all actually in the first round, but Ben, your thoughts on, uh, on Raglan. Okay. I'm going to preface this by saying I really like Reggie Raglan. I think he's going to be a really good pro linebacker. As do I, but I don't, I wouldn't take him at 13. Be, not because he wouldn't fit, because I think he does. I actually think he is like basically the perfect Jim Schwartz linebacker, uh, because he is so nasty and he, you know he's a big dude, willing to get down and dirty. But like the team has linebackers, and they they have a, they have a lot of good linebackers, and it doesn't I, like 
I actually said earlier today that I, the Eagles could take any position at 13 and I wouldn't be mad, but I, I just, I just, I'm, I'm reevaluating that and saying, I wouldn't take a linebacker at 13 unless, unless actually miles Jack is still there. Yeah. Then I, then I would do it because I think he's going to be like, he's like legitimately going to be a special, special football player. Uh, but Ragland, well, I think he's going to be a very good player and I think he should go in the first round at some point. Um, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't take him at thirteen. That would be a waste of resources. I think. All right, let's stick with Miles Jack. Can he play? Wait for it. Safety in the NFL. This coming from Matt uh, Gumbrecht. Uh, I don't. Th- I don't think so. <laughs> but uh, well, maybe. I don't know. He can. As I said, he can play at my house if he wants to. Miles Jack is my favorite player in the draft, which is a lot like saying I really like beer. Like it's. It's not. You know, like that's. It's really not going to be any much different than that. I don't think you're going to hear much different leading up to this thing. I don't think he can play safety, Ben. I mean, he, yeah, he can play safety. I think he's good. I think he would be a good safety even. But you're completely debasing what makes him so special as a linebacker by moving him to safety because you're moving him further away from the ball and therefore mitigating his speed advantage that he has at linebacker. And that just doesn't make sense to me. You're, you're you're basically trading a potentially like Luke Keekley, Bobby Wagner, Patrick Willis level linebacker for like a good strong safety. It just that doesn't make sense. Like that logic doesn't really make sense to me. And I think that if you have a linebacker like Luke Keekley or like Bobby Wagner, it completely changes the makeup of your defense. Because if you have a guy at middle linebacker who can cover so much ground, it makes the the responsibilities of the defensive backs so much easier, especially, you know, at safety. So in a way, by drafting Miles Jack, you're making your safeties better, but don't move him to safety because then you kind of it just it just doesn't make sense. You're making him slower at a position. It, I, I don't I, I never really. Got yeah, that? Yeah, logic. yeah. Now that's yeah, yeah. Now that's I guess more or less that's a, that's a yeah. You're right. I I don't think that there's that that's just a waste waste of talent if you're putting them in there. My manifesto on small fast linebackers is that they are still linebackers. Yes, yes, exactly right. Uh, all right, let's get to the next one. Over under uh, offensive line drafted, I'm guessing by the by the Eagles at two and a half. Over under two and a half. Uh, that's coming from our good friend uh, Daniel uh, Siculo. Uh, so over under two and a half drafted lineman for the Eagles is is half a lineman like a fullback or a tight end or <laughs> half a uh, in, in maybe <laughs> half of it is is Mike Tolbert. Let's just say that. Okay. Oh, I would love to draw. Okay. Um, I would probably say I'd probably push on that. Like I think two. Two line, like I think two linemen is very likely because the team does have a need at guard, as you might have heard. Well, they um, can't push, Ben. It's two and a half. So you're oh, gonna, that's you're... true. Well, I was hoping that <laughs> it would it would include that fullback. Okay, so two <laughs> under under. I can't. I, I this is why I don't gamble. Um, yeah, I would take the under just because I think that the team will spend. You know, they will double dip on the offensive line, but drafting three offensive linemen seems a little excessive. Uh, I, I'm actually going to take, I would, I would set it at one and a half and I take the under at one and a half. I think they're only going to draft one lineman. I, I, I just got a, I got a, uh, I got a feeling that that's going to happen. I think they'd still wait for it like their depth. 
<laughs> and I know that Stoutland does too. And I'm not saying that they're just going to stop there. I think they actually pick up uh, more. So I, I, if you want to include UDFAs, uh, yes, then over. But I think they're going to, you know, kind of do that. I think they're going to. I think they're going to take. I don't know. I I just have a feeling they they, they could go anywhere. Honestly, and it, and it's. I don't know. I I see this more as a tackle draft again over anything else. So if you want to pick up some guards, I know everybody's uh, you know white white hair guardy McBeef. There's a ton of them out there. So again, uh, yeah, I don't I don't think they're gonna. I, I think they p- pull down one starter and then just just kind of go crazy there. Uh, I mean, as, as long as the Big Ten exists, there will always be guards. But I, I think that another factor to think about is free agency. I mean, we haven't even gotten a free agency right. yet. And this is a, a talented group of free agent offensive linemen to to think about. I mean, you have, um, I mean, at the very least, you have Coleccio Semley and Jeff Allen are both uh, haven't been signed to new contracts yet. So at this point, they're pending free agents. And both of them would be awesome in uh, in this scheme. I mean, Jeff Allen played for Peterson last last year, so I think that that yeah, you know, I think that taking one offensive lineman would actually be. I mean, that would make sense to me, especially if they ended up you know getting a guy in free agency. But I do think they need to at least draft one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's get to the next one. Uh, Jack checking in at JPL 730. Uh, edge rushers in the mid-rounds that you like. Go ahead, Ben. I, I really like the the defensive end out of Boise State, Correa. I think he offers really nice physicality, and, and he looks like he has a little bit of speed to his game. And also Vic Ochi, who who is making some noise at the, the Shrine game a couple weeks ago from Stony Brook. He's a bit undersized. Uh, that's 6'3", 250 pounds. But, you know, you throw on the tape and he's, you know, very relentless, has a great um, first step, good anticipation, array of pass rush moves. I can't help but think of Trent Cole when I'm watching him. Uh, uh-huh. And, and you know, obviously you're looking at you know, relative competition and everything like that. But he's definitely someone I would want to take a look at in the mid rounds. I think he's... He's a talented guy, especially if you're bringing him on as a pure pass rushing specialist. Ah, yes, no, I like that. Um, I, uh, you know what? It's, it's Charles Tapper is actually a guy that I just started looking at, who's uh, who's kind of around that, you know, fourth, fifth round, maybe in third round. Uh, but um, I, you know, I, I like him. I think he's a more of an all around guy. Uh, I think he's if you're going to put him in, well, if you're going, I don't know if they're going to put him in a wide nine, it really doesn't matter. Uh, I think if you just like just like Ben always says, like if they can they can bend and get around the edge, they'll get sacks in that kind of that kind of thing there. And well, you know where I'm going next, Ben. You know, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I can feel it. Here comes the Iowa bias. Uh, Drew Ott. Uh, I, I know that there's going to be uh, like, of course, I'm going to say that, but ACL injury uh, kind of missed the a lot of the uh, you know was in and out. But as far, if you want a guy that's just nuts. Drew Ott is a guy that to kind of keep your eye on him. So I'm curious how he does in the combine. A lot of people have him down, I think, because of the injury, like as a day three guy. I think he could elevate himself to a day two guy. I really do. I think he's he's just a nutball. He's the guy that has like the the bloody forehead at the end of the game. You know, like it's so uh yeah, I'm 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 kind of again, the four three kind of makes me excited because we can start looking at defensive ends again and and stop trying to like you know, with a fine tooth comb and just trying to find that one outside linebacking, awesome pass rushing guy. Because 
you know, there's a lot of different things you can do uh, with uh, assuming they're going to the wide nine there. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of different, you know, I, oh, here, you know, we got some other ones here. Let's get to the next one. This coming from uh, Phil Adelphia. Uh, Phil, you know, spilled out like a, like a man's name. Uh, 20, if uh, Osweiler hits free agency, should the Eagles be interested? And how much will would he be signed for, in your opinion, Ben? Oh, God, no. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm way out on that. Sorry, <laughs> no. bro. I'm way Sorry. out. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm not about that. Unless, we're, unless you're signing him for, like, pennies on the dollar. I mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't touch him. <laughs> and I, I just find it funny that, like, just, you know... <laughs> I don't want to sign Sam Bradford for anywhere from 16 to 20, but Osweiler, let me tell you, like, yes, it just, listen, I'll just say this because I know we've talked about quarterbacks a lot. We'll probably still talk just, just a little bit more about quarterbacks as we get on here. But I mean, there is no, when people are trying to identify what the Eagles need to do with this position, just realize, and I think we all realize this. I'm trying not to say his name because it just instantly debates all the same talking points about money and this, the last seven games and this passing, you know, <laughs> the passing Q, you know, QBR and all this other bullshit. The Eagles have a quarterback problem and a quarterback situation where you need to have as many options as possible. I, I literally think we just need to honestly make a record and just play it every time. Let's make a video, Ben, that every time somebody mentions this, you just need to have options. And the Eagles don't. So I'm always, I, I'm, I will almost say, and I said this yesterday, I, I don't care if they draft three quarterbacks in this draft. I don't, because th- they should. They honestly should. If you're going to try and develop a guy, pick one in the third, pick one in the sixth, pick one in the seventh, and just see what happens, because this is, I mean, it's, it's chock full of these guys. So, I you know, it's just, there's there is no one answer. It is not a black and white thing, and the cap room doesn't mean anything in this league. It still does not. Uh, and, I, and, and as, even though Matt Lombardo got a ton of shit, he was correct. There is no quarterback that is making $20 million in their hand, you know, in, in, in the cap I, where it kind of matters. Yeah. But nobody's walking home with 20 million bucks. Like it's just, I, I think, uh, Matt actually went through and saw that Aaron Rodgers is the only one that's due and probably will get it in 2018 or something like that. So Everybody else is going to get their deal re- redone, and that's going to look like nothing. And in the, in the QB markets is going to keep going up, like because the unless the NFL eats itself, Ben, quarterback contracts aren't going down. The market, I mean, like everybody's like, oh, this is outrageous. This needs to be reset. Not if the cap keeps going up, right? I mean, like there, this is going to be an endless pay the quarterback league until 2031 when the NFL finally collapses, right? I mean, yeah, it's, as long as you, as long as the rules of the game. And just the nature of the game makes quarterback the most important position. It will continue to be the highest paid position. Yeah. Either <laughs> it's just, you know, it's like, well, all the teams are dumb for doing that. Yeah, probably. But they also have continuity at that position. And guess what? That kind of gets you into the playoffs. Yes, I would take a marginally better Alex Smith. Of course I fucking would. Because that means they have a better quarterback than Alex Smith, who's average. So, yes, <laughs> of course I would do that. Why? 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 <laughs> Oh, in the meantime, I will, I will it, pound the table for Andy Dalton. Yes, yes. And in the meantime, you can take the next Alex Smith, which is in this fucking draft, and hopefully make him better than Sam Bradford. Honestly, I mean, this is this is where you're at. This is that's the whole point is to have as many options 
as possible. I don't care if they sign him for $50 million just to piss everybody off. Like, they're, you know, it's not going to happen. Look, we're, we're having this huge Bradford debate every five seconds, and you know what's going to happen? He's going to walk. He's going to go to San Francisco, and, and nobody's going to give a shit after that. Like, and the only reason why his name will be brought up is because he's either failing or succeeding, and the same with Chip Kelly, and that is it. Nobody really gives a shit. Like, and honestly, if the second-round pick was back, no one would give a shit about re-signing him either. That's, that's basically what it comes down to. So, all right, let's get to the last one. Uh, a good friend, Jay Brooks, uh, who makes uh, killer uh, logos, by the way, uh, at RZW underscore Brooks. Cor- cornerback, which is uh, something we haven't really touched on. What is the plan there? Does Carroll take a spot back? Do you think he gets signed? Does Rose stay there? Is Shepard back in the mix? Um, you know, a lot of people, for whatever reason, uh, want Road now to play safety, and we said that <laughs> last year. But uh, I, I, I'm pretty much fully convinced that the cornerback is definitely where he needs to be, which would mean that either Manowitz or Chip Kelly aren't that bad at talent evaluating. And uh, yeah, you know, Shepard being back there, I think there is still some. I think there's pretty decent depth at, at corner. Uh, I know Thurman still wanted to play there. I still doubt they take him back there and he's definitely not playing safety so you know what do you think kind of uh spit spits out there ben uh, i would i mean i'm i'm i was the biggest move eric Rowe to safety person for months on end um and then he played cornerback and it was good and he was he is good he's a good cornerback and just to move him back to safety is just kind of interrupting the continuity in his career and it doesn't really make sense for anyone you know just play him at cornerback until he for some reason shows that he cannot play cornerback, which he hasn't done to this point. He's been very, very good uh, in the, in the limited action he saw last year. So I would keep row. I'd keep, obviously keep Maxwell. I think you, I could, I would say re-signing Carroll would be a smart move because then you have him, you know, compete with that or probably play that nickel spot. And then you have Ja'Cory Shepard as that fourth guy, um, you know, like you said with Thurman, he, you know, if he wants to play corner, that'd be another thing the team needs to look into uh, because I don't think Thurman can play safety in this defense, even though he was good last yeah, year. Yeah, no, it just doesn't just doesn't work out. He's not really a run first uh, type of guy here. So uh, I, I don't I don't remember somebody had tweeted it to me. And I apologize. I just kind of lost it in the favorites because I fucking favored everything way too much. Uh, but there, uh, somebody had asked, we, we you know, we hear a lot about. Uh, all the top guy we hear about Lynch and Goff and everybody consi- uh, constantly. Jacoby Brissett's another guy that you know me, Matt, Ben, and, and Dan Klosner have always liked. Uh, so we talk about him a lot. But what are some of those guys that are in the maybe even later rounds? You know, four to four to seven, uh, even UDFA that you would be kind of interested in here. I mean, we we touched on it a little. We touched on it a little bit earlier, but Dak Prescott is a definitely a guy I would target on day three. Same thing with Vernon Adams. Uh, two guys who can who can really throw to any level of the field. And smart quarterbacks have mobility. I, I think that's going to be important. I mean, Doug Peterson worked a little bit of quarterback running into his offense with Alex Smith, so it'd be cool to see how that functions with an even more athletic quarterback. Um, other than that, I, I think the I think this quarterback class is a little bit uninspiring on the whole, especially when you get into the later round. I mean, I think a lot of the top guys are intriguing, um, but I think with that top group, you're, you're still looking at a bunch of honestly developmental guys who I think could turn into, you know, good players. I think those top four or five guys could, you know, have have a lot of upside. But 
once you actually get into the lower group, it just it becomes scary. Yeah, no, no, really, no, really does. Yeah, we already mentioned uh, Joel Stave. Nate Settlefield's another guy that I would start to cringe at. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Uh, and I know some people are talking up uh, him again. So again, you know, the the sunshine blowing or what was it again, Ben? Sorry, Sun, sunshine pumping. Yes. Yeah, sunshine pumping. It, it was, uh, and the same with like you know a lot of people. Uh, with the Cody Kessler and, and and that stuff, it's just like it just doesn't just doesn't interest me. I don't, you know, Brandon Doherty, uh, Dowdy is is probably the only like late guy that I I'm semi interested in. Um, and as far as like UDF uh, UDFA guys go, I know uh, me and Ben just started looking at this guy, but uh, Tyler Crisps actually, is, I know he's a, he's a D three guy, so it's it's really it's really hard to kind of get him in here, but. Uh, he kind of had some interesting things. He plays up in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. So uh, there's there's something to it. And I know this, uh, look, I've been trekking down like hoodie, uh, what, how do you pronounce that? H-U-D-I, that whatever whatever that, that thing is. Huddle film, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, there's there's some tape of him out there somewhere. Uh, and there's there's been a couple of All-22 stuff that people have shown us. And I don't know, what do you... I think it's. I, I think there's might be something there. I think that if if we're gonna pump a guy, if we're gonna you know blow some sunshine up here, um, I I think that that's a guy that you would take a stab at. And I know we've talked about a lot of the Delvell guys last season. Tyler Chris would would kind of be my guy there. What what do you think overall of of Tyler Chris? Yeah, my number one thing when looking at lower level competition, lower level you know guys who are playing at D three, FCS, D two, all those levels, is you really want to see them dominate their competition. Uh, because if they're not dominating their competition, you wonder if, if they're going to actually be able to make any noise in the NFL. But I, I say this uh, with joy because, you know, Tyler Chris, you know, completely slinging it all over D3. He's incredibly poised and, and he's really, I mean, really tough quarterback and he's willing to stand in there, take a shot. You know, he bounces back from, from interceptions. Like, he, you know, he'll throw a pick. You'll throw a bad pick. But he'll come out slinging the next the the next drive. He'll you know throw these fifty yard passes down the field, just really really gutsy quarterback. And and you want to see that. I mean, you want to see a guy who's not afraid to just test the defense on any given moment. And especially when you're playing against you know lesser athletes at the Division three level, he's willing to take those chances. He's willing to take chances against those guys, and it pays off for him more often than not. So I, he would be an excellent undrafted free agent addition because I think one his aggressiveness on the field and two you, you think that leadership that gutsiness is going to translate in the locker room as well. Yeah, you think it's worth worth keeping an eye out, you know. And if he's part of that, you know, like I said, the three quarterbacks that you want to draft, you want to include him. That that's fine. You know, it's it's what we've been saying for a long time. Like these guys can are supposed to this coaching staff, this offensive coaching staff is supposed to groom these guys and put it together, uh, you know, why not? It's uh, sometimes you might hit that 0.002% chance that that guy comes out to be to be anything. So, yeah, Tyler Crisp, interesting name to kind of look out for. Uh, you won't be in the combine, but, you know, check out on his pro day and everything uh, after that in March. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us uh, for episode number 146 here. Ben, uh, final thoughts as you're rolling out here, pal. Yeah, there's going to be a ton of draft stuff coming. Uh, be sure to send questions to my account. That's at BGN. A-T-A-N. I'm trying to do a weekly mailbag, and then I'm going to have some scouting reports, mock drafts, maybe some combine previews, combine reviews, you know, everything about the combine. Love the combine. So it's just going to be a lot of draft content the next couple of weeks, and I'm really excited about all of it. So 
be sure to follow along. It's going to be a fun off season. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's already begun, and uh, you know we can we'll give you a radio update as as much as possible. Again, uh, just like always, I want to thank everybody for listening to episode number one forty six uh, right here on BleedingGreenNation.com. Uh, and again, a, a shout out to our sponsor, Clip It, which uh, is going to be continuing with us throughout the draft. And again, I got to tell you, uh, it's one of the best apps that is out there. So it's like I've been saying, there's no longer holding the phone up to the computer screen or, you know, the, the TV. And for a lot of the stuff that you're going to see, like if you don't think that we're going to be going through the NFL network when the combine's on and using this thing and using it for a lot of the blog posts that we're seeing, you're crazy. And you can get it on too. Clip it. Just go check them out on Twitter at Clip It TV and more information, Clip It tv.com uh, they've been an amazing partner and we're happy that they are sticking with us uh through the rest of draft season uh so thank you again to everybody listening out there for ben and i am john barchard you've been listening to bgn radio right here on bleeding green nation.com you've been listening to bgn radio right here on bleeding green nation.com fueled by duncan philly and part of the liberty broadcast network Folks, we have now reached our final destination of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We realize you have a choice in podcasting. We thank you for choosing ours.